Hi, welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. Today's guest went from being a high school dropout to playing piano for billionaires to founding the world's largest entrepreneurial institute. In just two years, he grew from a team of nine doing barely six figures a month to a team of 150 doing over $5 million a month. Up next, Jeff Lerner. Hey, Jeff. So nice to see you and meet you. Likewise, Tina. Really excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, the information I have in front of me is just uh, amazing. And I'm just so looking to just dive right in. Okay. So let's, let's just kind of refrain here. You are the founder of a three-time um, Inc. 5000 company with uh, $100 million plus in online sales and eight-figure real estate portfolio. In, nine, in 2019, you started uh, Entre, which is like for Entrepreneur Institute, the first institute of higher learning in the world for entrepreneurs and currently the fastest growing education company in the world. Wow. In 2021, you founded Entre Soft. Did I say Entre? I did yeah. say Entre. You yeah, Entre Soft. That's right. I was saying Entre. So now I'm like going to be very lucky. Entre Soft the world's most complete small business marketing software. Over 200,000 students now use your education and software to power their business and create their best lives. Before this, you used to play piano for billionaires. So I, when I read that, I was just like, okay, you got to tell us this backstory, how you went from playing pianos to billionaires to you know having the largest entrepreneur <laughs> in the world. Yeah, it was a journey. For sure. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, yeah, you want to know all the details. Okay, so. I do. I, I'm that girl. Yeah, so I, I'll tell you, uh, and I say all the time, like, the best training that I ever got for being an entrepreneur was my time as a jazz musician. Because, you know, think about all the kids that play the piano. It, like, it's actually a great metaphor for traditional education verse and traditional skills development versus, you know, what I would call entrepreneurial thinking and, and being in the world. Think how many kids take piano lessons, I, right? I like, did, I, and we, I hated it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was kids, forced to pick, yeah. And I used to teach piano lessons, so I saw the other side of it. Trust me, it's just, <laughs> it's just as bad for the teacher as it is for the student to have a student that doesn't like it. Would but, you say <laughs> that most kids are forced to, to take it by their parents or most kids want to play piano? Uh, I think most kids are forced to do it unless they send them to me. I was the teacher that knew how to make it fun and interesting. Right. Because I would tie it to stuff they actually cared about. There you like go. I would ask them, I would ask them for their favorite, like, what's your favorite? You know, if I had a six-year-old, I'd say, what's your favorite cartoon? And I'd pull it up on my phone on YouTube and listen to the jingle. And I'd say, okay, forget the music. We're just going to figure out how to play the jingle. That's, that's, you're, you're right on the nose right. because I mean, I mean, you know, you're like six, seven, I think I was eight or nine and Mozart. I mean, you know, no, I want to play stuff that I can relate to. Otherwise, I mean, you know, that's like, exactly. that's like people that are dead music. So, so if you think about how many people are taught to play the piano uh, at a young age, but how many people can you give them a, like, call it a, a, a question or a, a, a an equation like, hey, I want you to play me a Beatles song, 
Oh, and by the way, I'm <clears throat> I'm like I'm kind of sick today, so I need you to play it in an alto re- register so I can actually sing it. Play me a Beatles song in an alto register. Like a lot of people don't even know what that means, but I mean people know what the Beatles are in alto, but like the point is, let's say you want to play Hey Jude, yeah, but the person has a cold, so yeah. you need to bring so you need to bring it down on the keyboard. Make some think. Yeah, no, like 99.9% of people that even got pretty good taking lessons as a kid would have no clue how to approach that. They don't know how to play a melody by ear. They don't know how to transpose. They don't know how the chords and harmonies actually fit together. They don't functionally know what's happening in the music. All they were taught to do was memorize the notes, right? That's That's the difference between traditional education and even traditional business education and being an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs solve real world problems, which means we have to actually know how things work and why they work and be able to improvise and adapt with them on the fly. We have to, we have to operate with such a deeper level of understanding than people that just know the formulas, know the facts, know the figures and, and do what they've been told. Nobody ever tells you what, uh, what to do on a jazz gig because it, what you, whatever it is you're there to do, it's literally never been done before. It's always created real time in the moment on the fly as a collaboration between people. That's entrepreneurship. So although it may seem like kind of disjointed for me to go from one to the other, there's a reason why when I pivoted from music to business, I was never rattled by the fact that, oh, it's all on my shoulders. Oh, there's no operations manual. Oh, there's nobody telling me what to do. Oh, I'm only accountable to myself. Oh, oh, I'm afraid, but I have to keep going. Like all these things that stop most people in their tracks and make them want to spring back to the, the perceived safety of a job. Right. Those were never issues for me because on a bandstand, when you're improvising at 240 beats a minute mm-hmm. with world-class musicians, there is no safety net. You know, that's interesting because I'm going to, this was actually like, my fifth question or something, but while we're on it, okay, you were talking about real security and prosperity comes from betting on yourself and building yourself up uh, to being, uh, to be worth making that bet rather than lounging in society's safety net, which is exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Talking about the corporate world, as opposed to being an entrepreneur. Right. And I was just having this conversation the other day. I mean, look, we need both. Right. We need both. We do. I, I have a lot of really wonderful employees that I value very much. <laughs> and and I, I'm going to break it down like this. And there's no offense to anybody out there, but there are leaders and there are followers. And the, the leaders are the entrepreneurs. And, you know, I was just listening to Joyce Meyer today and she was it was something along the lines. You know, I've heard this. It's it, it, it was it's been said a thousand times. It's like you're either making somebody else money or you're making yourself money. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the followers, you know, they that there's nothing wrong. There's no superiorness here. Um, but entrepreneurs, they find it very hard to work for somebody else. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I did not know I was an entrepreneur. I, everybody thought I was fickle because I kept changing jobs. Right. Because right. my soul was not satisfied. And um, I also don't like taking the retraction very well. But anyways. OK, so that was. So, but, but how did you, so you started to realize that maybe, okay, there's something bigger and better out there for me than, than teaching piano, but how did you go from there into this Institute? So, well, yeah, I always knew there was something bigger and better out there for me. Uh, Piano playing, being a musician was just a very practical decision that said, okay, 
I want to be my own boss. I want to be creative. I want to do something that stimulates and interests me, but I still have to make a living. Okay. And at 16 years old, I was like, so what can, what, what fits that uh, equation? What fits that, those criteria? And I couldn't see anything that I was being exposed to in school that fit those criteria uh, other other than writing, which I, I did seriously consider pursuing, you know, literature to, to, in the writing path. And I did end up doing a little bit of creative writing study in college. But but for the most part, I just didn't see it in school. So I dropped out. I was like, high school is is training for the factory or tra- training for the job market or training for the modern equivalent of, you know, whatever the industrial revolution mm-hmm. created. Like, I just I didn't see it. So I dropped out. I was like, I'll take my chances betting on me. And but I know I have to make a living. And I knew I was, I I will say I'm pretty good at sales. And I knew I was good at sales the day I convinced my parents not only to let me drop out of high school, my junior year, but also to buy me a piano so that I could start practicing because that was going to be my fallback was I was going to go, I was 16 years old and I was not, I was not a pianist, but I was like, I think I know I've got a talent because I used to play some guitar and I was pretty good. Um, buy me a piano, give me a couple of years, like, like, let me have two years, just like you would if I was still at home going to high school. Mm-hmm. And by 18, I'll be supporting myself. And oh, so that's how the piano started. You, you yeah, but yeah, I, I dropped parents, out of high school your, and it was the only thing I could figure out to do. Didn't your parents say to you, you can, we'll get you a piano and you still p- play piano after school. No, I, that wouldn't have been enough time. Like for me to be a professional piano player, like I had gone to, t- well, for one, I was going to, I, I, a little bit of backstory. My parents got a phone call from the truancy officer of the Houston Independent School District Police Department saying, Jeff has, of the last 30 days of school, Jeff has been absent 21 times. So what I was you, already you, not going to school. What were you doing? I was driving in my, I was staying up all night, um, like, writing poetry, writing raps, and da- starting to dabble in music, music composition. And then I would get so t- I'd be exhausted. So I would leave in the morning, go park my car and sleep in my car all day and come home. My parents thought I'd been at school. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was I'd already effectively dropped out of school. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself a little bit of credit that I like went to them and asked permission. I didn't I was asking forgiveness. Um, and I had actually been told if Jeff comes back to school, he's going to be ticketed and fined. And my parents were like, you're going to find my son if he actually does come to school. Yeah, that's that's great. What, uh, what's the reward? Strategy. What's the incentive for going back to school? Yeah, so exactly. So anyway, I uh, they bought me a piano. I'll, I'll be kind of quick with the story. And I told them and I I had started to explore what would it take to be a professional? And I I realized, like, I need thousands of hours of practice. And there's just not enough time. I'm not going to be able to do this in two or two, three, four hours a day. So uh, I was practicing eight, nine, 10 hours a day. I, I was, pra- I, I literally practiced too much. I ended up having 10 years later, it, I turned into arthritis in my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I was able to go from beginner to professional to like, you know, gigging professional in about two and a half years. Right. Um, which every teacher I talked to had told me was basically impossible that I had kind of missed my window. And I ended up, even though I dropped out of high school, I actually ended up getting a scholarship and being able to go to college as a jazz pianist. Um, so I still went to college, uh, although it took me 10 years to finish. But anyway, the whole time I was, I was playing piano, you ask, how, it, how did I get to where I am now? So all through my 20s, I'm a gigging piano player in Houston, Texas, really, you know, big city, lots of wealthy people, 
lots of big high-end private parties and they bring pianists into their home. And I got a lot of the people I would play for were very successful, including, like you said, several that were billionaires. And I would actually, so I'd get to their house early. I'd get there like an hour before the party to just set up and, you know, kind of feel out the piano or whatever. And it'd just be like me and the homeowner chilling for like 30 minutes. So I was like having these casual conversations with billionaires. Like, so, so what do you do for a living? And, you know, I got to hear their stories and I was so inspired. They were all entrepreneurs. They were all people that had started business. Nobody become very, very few people become billionaires working a corporate job. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Know. Absolutely. So I had this sense, even in though fact, I was- a, In fact, ahead. was it you, I, somebody might've been on yours. I, I don't know. There's so much information rolling around in my brain, but I heard that like something like 83%, I think it was you this morning, 83% of millionaires and 88% of billionaires yeah. um, are all entrepreneurs. Yes, yes. That is, that was me. That was and you. And, and what's considered- uh, Ultra, ultra net, or I think, no, it's not ultra high. No, it's the top 1% in America is a net worth of $11 million or more. Okay. And you're a hundred times more likely to reach that. People always talk about how entrepreneurship is risky. Entrepreneurship is only risky if you grade it against what is the probability of having an average or below average life. In that case, yes, you are more likely to have an average or below average life, but not die of starvation by getting a job. Mm -hmm. But if you grade it against having a really extraordinary life and a lot of abundance and a lot of possibilities, you're 10 times more likely to become a millionaire as an entrepreneur. You're a hundred times more likely to become a decamillionaire or top one percenter as an entrepreneur. Right. And exactly. I saw that firsthand. And so right. I was hooked. I was like, I'm going to start a business. And so even though I was a musician all through my twenties, I was starting business after business after business because musicians, we didn't have to be at work until six or eight o'clock. Like I had my days free, right? And I was right. teaching lessons and I was going to school, but I still had some time. And I failed at, you know, 12 different businesses long past the point when everybody said I was nuts to keep trying and I should have thrown in the towel and I should have just gotten a day job. And, you know, but that, that was, they might have, they might have, might as well have told me like, oh, you should just, hold your breath and, and never inhale again and, and die of asphyxiation. Like it was just not an option for me. So I kept trying stuff. And then uh, eventually 2008, I just, you know, I just want to stop you right okay. there because you know what? I really, I, I really want people to hear what you just said. You'd rather have died from asphyxiation. Okay. Because that's the way I felt too. It's like going to a corporate job that didn't, fulfill me and it was not fulfilling my purpose, I'd rather would have been dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have, a, I, I didn't have kids. I mean, I think if I had kids, I might say it a little bit more diplomatically, but at the time, I, I think I was like at that level of insanity of just like, if I'm, if my soul's going to have to die anyways, and like, what good is my body? Right. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then also, if you do have kids, what are you teaching your kids? Because, you know, if you're yeah. going to be unhappy all the time, what are you teaching your kids? Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true too. Um, and, and listen, I have a lot more measured view now. I mean, I'm a little older and wiser now for, I mean, obviously I have a, you know, a, over 150 employees. So I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, being an employee is a miserable death of the soul. Right. But I also run a really, really cool company that's very what we call intrapreneurial, where mm -hmm. everybody in our world 
is doing meaningful, creative, impactful work. We create a lot of conditions that make it very rewarding and, and uh, you know, malleable to their life and their balance and their, and we, we really, I mean, we stand for certain things about ever, unlocking everybody's potential and that starts internally with our team. So, but there wasn't a company like Entra that was hiring when I was 25 years old. Right. right exactly. And you know, they all, a lot of them are moving, a lot of Google is moving towards that. They're paying attention that, you know, for right. everybody inspired because they're, you know, exactly. Okay. Yeah, because if they don't, at this point, people are just like, screw it, I'm out of here. Yeah, you know, and they're just going to wait for that opportunity to, to leave to the next person, right? I mean, they, everybody wants to feel inspired. Everybody wants to feel heard. Everybody's needs need to be met. And, it, you know, that that model is gone. I don't, I don't think it ever worked. I think, you know, and there's something that you said also that basically people are frightened into thinking if they don't go along with the status quo, they won't be able to have money or security, Okay. And that's what we're talking about right now. And it couldn't be more the opposite. Yeah. I, I think there's a, the, you know, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Look, if you have, if you've never been, if you've, if you have no experience having to wake up every day and go out and eat what you kill with no guarantee of a paycheck and complete accountability and responsibility on your own shoulders and in entirely living in a, in the meritocracy of the free market on the basis of the value that you have to offer to the world. And, there, and, it's, and it's a, what have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done lately, then you, you don't get to eat. If you've never lived in that world, then yes, it is probably inconceivable to think that, oh, I can go do that and there's more security there than here. But that's only because you've never done it. You haven't built the muscle. Right, yeah. Like, exactly. I, wouldn't send, I wouldn't send a six-year-old in to fight a forest fire either. No, but, but men do do that and they are safe and they do great, meaningful work. It's just because they've trained for it. Right. Uh, exactly. Which is the reason you have created Entra. Entra. Okay. Which yeah, exactly. So, so fast forward, you know, I, I, I started online in 2008. I realized, oh my gosh, there's this whole big economy out there that's digital now. That's kind of the new cutting edge of, 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 you know, the market. And I did really well and fortunately was able to pay off a bunch of debt. And that was back in 2008, 2009, 2010. And then I started by 2012, I started an agency and we grew that digital agency. We were doing marketing for, you know, small and medium sized businesses. Um, did about $35 million in sales in a little over five years. And suddenly I was 38, 39 years old. And I'm like, successful, affluent, remarried, living in my dream home, living my dream life. And I'm like, okay, I went from being a broke, nearly homeless jazz musician 10 years ago to having this great life 10 years later, largely because I, I, I developed very specific skills, some of which were what I'd call hard skills like marketing and copywriting and sales funnels and, you know, some of which are in, in salesmanship and some of which are soft skills like empathy and leadership and responsive listening and compassion and, 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 you know, personal development kind of stuff. And you couple the skills development together plus times the, the opportunity of the new economy, the digital economy. And it's not all just going online and starting a business, but it's taking a modernized approach to how you build a business. Mm -hmm. You put those together and there I was in 2018 going, okay, I think I've got the formula that just about anybody in the world with, you know, a, a, a brain and a pulse 
can use to improve their life professionally, personally, and physically, just like I've done. And I started shooting videos to talk about it. And I had no idea that I was a, you know, a year and a half ahead of the pandemic, but you know, right message, right place, right time, time. right opportunity. And in two, you know, by spring of 2020, we were enrolling seven or 8,000 new students a month into what's gone on to become the best-selling business education course in the history of the internet, which is called the Entre Blueprint. And it was my attempt to create a holistic framework for how to take your life from wherever you currently are into becoming what I would call, you know, just a new economy entrepreneur, somebody that has not only the financial opportunity, but is leveraging modern technology and the opportunities that are out there and also living a really balanced and fulfilling life. And uh, that's become the, the springboard into Entra, which like you said, is now the fastest growing education platform in the world. Right, exactly. And when you say holistic, okay, so I think a lot of people can kind of go sideways on that word right? Because it has been kind of overused. So, I mean, I, you, you are in the personal space. I mean, so it's basically, are you talking about more balance in your life? Is it when you say, yeah. what, what it's, you, it's physical. So we have a, an anchor concept we use called the three P's, right? It's physical, personal, and professional. Mm -hmm. And we have, we build curriculum, we build intentionality, we build, you know, strategic planning and, and frameworks in all three of those areas. Because you look at why are most people unable to achieve what they want out of life? Because they either, they don't have the time or they don't have the energy, right? It's like- Or they don't, or they don't believe in themselves enough. Yeah, exactly. No, well, yes, that's, that's, I would say the layer deeper, that's the truth beneath the truth. But for most yeah. people, there's this, at least in their mind, there's this practical consideration of like, look, I'm already maxed out. I'm already stretched too thin. I don't have anything I want, but I, there's, I can't create more time in the day. And also I, you know- the time that I do have to sit down and work at whatever my hopes and dreams are, I'm too tired. That's why I'm not getting anything done. That's what exactly. most people say. Exactly. And I say, okay, great. Then stop doing that and figure out how to create more time and energy. Yes. And that's physical and personal focus. We'll deal with the professional once you actually have the horsepower to and do you, it. You, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, I've said this before. It's like a three-legged stool. If yep. one of the legs are missing, the stool is not going to stand. And people just really overlook that, that, you know, if they're not getting the proper nutrition or the proper sleep or the proper exercise, they just kind of take that for granted. And I, and I get it because, you know, in mainstream media, they're like, well, if those foods are bad or I really needed those supplements or I needed that extra stuff, they would be, I'd be informed but on the news. That's not true. Yeah. That, yeah. And they'd be in the FDA food pyramid too, That's, right? Exactly. Thank you. So, you know, you have to, you know, maybe that's our entrepreneurial thing because it's, I've always done my own research. I'm a cancer survivor. And, you know, when they told me I should get radiation and, and, and follow up with a drug called tamoxifen, um, I was like, you know, it didn't resonate with me. It, it, intuitively, it just didn't feel right. I was led to the right books and I was led to the alkaline diet by Robert O. Young. And I did that. And, you know, I never did that. And I've been cancer free since 2011. But if I would have listened, you know, because everybody's like, oh, you got to listen to what your doctor's saying. And the more research that I did, Jeff, I realized that that doctors, traditional doctors only have 45 minutes of nutritional education in the history of their education. Yeah. So, no, they wouldn't know about that. OK, so, you know, you really do have to do your own research. And maybe that comes from me being an entrepreneur. But um, 
anyway, yes. So I, I love that. So you you focus on all three things. The first two first, right? The yeah, first- and I put them in that order: physical, then personal, then professional. And I say, look, physical—that's taking care of one person. If you can't take care of one person, how are you going to take care of four people or six people or your you know your close personal relationships, right? Right. Right. So take care of one then take care of six or eight or however many personal relationships you have. But the idea that, oh, I want to have professional success. What is professional success? Professional success is taking something that you offer, like a product or a service or a skill or whatever, and and transacting it into the market of tens or hundreds or thousands of customers that pay you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm successful. Essentially, it's providing value and care to thousands of people. But if you're not even able to take care of the six people that live under your roof or the one person that lives inside your body, what qualification do you have to say, oh, I have lots to offer thousands of people? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jeff, listen, in your, in the Entree uh, Entra uh, Institute, do you, if somebody comes in and they just know they're, they're an entrepreneur, they know that they don't want to work for somebody else, but they don't know what it is they want to do. Does, does your institute help with that too? Or does somebody have to come in already knowing what they want to do? I'm so glad you asked that. I think you touched on one of the biggest misconceptions. Uh, not only do you not have to know what it is that you think you want to do. I actually, in my experience, most people that think they do know what they want to do or they have some big idea, if they work with us for a while, they'll realize that wasn't even the right idea. That's the right not idea. the thing that they were born to do. Right, exactly. And, and at what age? So for example, my 17-year-old wants to be a YouTuber, okay? So like, is it for just maybe, is it, does yeah, it but, like somebody so, so this is a question I would say. YouTube is a marketing strategy. But what is, so that's like saying, well, I want to be a, I want to be an email. Well, okay. So no, well, I, I have a short story. Uh, no, you know what I mean? And I get it. I have teenagers, so I know they, well, they no, want to be YouTubers. Yeah, he but. just doesn't want to be famous. He's very funny. Okay. And he, like, he watches David Dobrik. Do you know who he is? Yeah, I do. Okay. So he actually came and surprised us on Sunday because I wrote him a message. I couldn't believe the guy actually came. And wow. Us. Yeah, I know. And so he's going to, he's going to be on David's vlog. And my son's got video. I mean, I, I, that's going to be my next question to you. But anyways, he loves David and I, I love the guy. I mean, he's funny. He's clean. He doesn't overstep the boundaries. It's the, he's not funny at somebody else's expense. He gives right. back. And so my son wants to do something like that, you know? So he's got a very clear idea and he is funny. He is all those things. So it's not, and in fact, he shies away from the spotlight, which which incidentally, like the fact that I'm in front of a camera is crazy because if you knew my backstory, I never wanted to be in front of the camera, but I knew that this was my calling and my purpose. I found that out, right? So going back to let, uh, what, at what age, what, what's your youngest entrepreneur that would, would be part of your institute? Well, anybody that's under 18, it just has to have their parents' permission. But I mean, we have, um, I mean, gosh, I was at one of our events several months ago and there was a kid there that does stuff that's related to rodeo. I I can't remember exactly what he does, but he like, you know, he's like a junior rodeo kid and and he was maybe like 13 or 14. But, But here's, let me say this about the David Dobrik thing. David Dobrik's not a YouTuber. He's not a vlogger. He's not a TikToker. Those are just marketing methods. I guarantee you in his mind, 
he has a mission or a clarity about what he does that has nothing to do with the platforms that he's on. I don't know what those words are, but maybe he's a, a humanitarian comedian. That's what I would say he is. Maybe he's a progressive social engineer. I don't I know, but it's yeah. the pl- people get so wrapped up in like, oh, I want to be a TikToker. But TikTok's just a marketing method. That's literally like saying, right. I want to be an email. How, it's how you bring your purpose and message yeah. forward. Right. Exactly. And, that's, and that's how he does it. And that's exactly what he is. Like, even if somebody says, I want to be a Twitch streamer. N- I don't great, know that great. Is. Well, stand in line. No, why don't you say, I want to be the best XYZ video game player in the world. Right. And I'm going to focus on that. And I'll bet if you achieve that, a lot of people will want to watch you on Twitch. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. And, and, and the Institute, when I went in there today, uh, is, is, is it, a, uh, how long is the, is it a 12 month thing? Is well, it- our, our, our initiative, uh, for 2022, we all jokingly got temporary tattoos, uh, that said, ha- that say hashtag entre for life. Ooh. Like we're trying to create the world's first developmental pathway that you that 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 you can stay with until until okay. what uh, what is the only like yeah, because I, this you're is always my, pivoting you're always pivoting in your yeah business. this is my frustration with education is you go to you go into an and the word education comes from the latin word ducare to lead people to a destination and yet you go into education and they don't you don't graduate into a destination. You graduate to a starting line. That doesn't make sense. You didn't arrive anywhere. In our view of education, you start with the end in mind. And what's the end? What's the only point? What, what is the only thing that anybody should be trying to achieve? It's the life they want. And so we start with the life you want physically, personally, and professionally, the relationships, the health, the vitality, the energy, the purpose, the drive, the professional skills, and we reverse engineer what we call personalized education that leads you all the way there. And that might take 20 minutes or 20 months or 20 years, or you may die trying. Right. That's not the point. The point is, are you more fulfilled making progress toward the life that you actually were born to have? Or do you just go check boxes and rack up student debt? in the traditional pathway. Well, you know, I've always said, you know, if you do what you love, the money will follow. And then I follow it because that's, I, I didn't make that up, but then I follow it up with saying, and even if you don't, you're not going to feel like you you're missing out on something. You're not going to feel like this need to have more and more and more because yeah. I've had both. And when you are doing something that is not right for you and you're not fulfilling your purpose, you have this gap. I, in my first book, I, I talk about it. You have this gap. There's something missing. So you got to fill it up with things, whether it's food, alcohol, shopping, whatever it is, because your soul is longing for something that you're not giving it. And as long as you're fulfilling your purpose, even if you're making a smaller amount of money, you're not going to feel well, that void. And, and here's the deal. I just, I, two hours ago, I had uh, Dave Hollis on my podcast who, you know. I just had oh, Heidi Powell. Oh, wow. All right. Well, yeah, we should swap. But they, uh, and you know, a lot of people, everybody knows him as, you know, Rachel Hollis's ex-husband and now he's doing his own thing and he's with Heidi, but he was the president of, of Warner brothers. No, sorry. He was the president of Disney film studios. Mm -hmm. He was a 
mega successful entertainment person in the coolest industry in the world. He had Robert Downey Jr. on speed dial. He personally was the person who distributed to uh, the Avengers and all these great, like frozen. And I mean, my daughter, like my daughter's favorite movie. And he was miserable, right? There's now no just amount now of just professional success you can achieve if you're not doing what you were born to do. Exactly. Leading to that, that was, that's when I said, we'll get to that question. So what is it? What is it? What are your views on that? Do you believe in God? Do you believe you have a pre uh, Do you have a, do you feel like God, the universe, whatever puts a stamp on your heart? Do you think it's random? Do you think, um, sing, do you believe in, um, synchronicity, uh, synergy, uh, you're, you know, everything happens. You know, it's funny. I've been on, I've, I've probably done, I don't know, several hundred interviews and nobody's ever actually asked me about my personal spiritual beliefs directly. Uh, we've gotten into it, but nobody's ever just asked me. So yeah, I do. I've, I very much believe in a, in a creative force that probably pretty closely approximates what a lot of people mean when they say God. I mean, I don't need to get into all the granular right. details, but I came to it from like the Judeo-Christian tradition. Like I'm a huge C.S. Lewis guy. I'm a huge G.K. Chesterton guy. Like a lot of the really great modern Christian thinkers are, are, are my jam. Um, but I also love me some Ayn Rand. And what I tend to find, well, who's, you know, uh, supposedly an, an avowed atheist and people are like, oh, you know, how do you reconcile that? I have found this beautiful congruence in the universe and in my experience of the world where like Truth has is so multifaceted and it shows up in so many places. And I think it is a human weakness that we are always trying to, uh, you know, fractalize truth into all these different little subsets. But truth is truth is truth. And I see it. I read it. I, I have found it in Buddhism. I have found it in Christianity. I have found it in uh, great, you know, stoicism. Yeah. And so what I believe happens inside of us is we're all given a unique set of gifts. We're all given a unique set of proclivities and interests. And we're all given a, a you know, call it a, an energetic North Star that when we learn to, to find it and orient ourselves to what we're intended to do, our, our body and our mind and our energy resonate Wakes in that up. direction. Yeah. yeah. And you feel, yeah, you wake up. Yeah. And you, you, you shall up. know that you're pointed in the, in the right direction literally by the amount of energy that you have. Mm -hmm. And yep. we, people say, I don't have money. I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't have energy. It's because you're not, you're a magnet that is fighting, trying to point itself away from the North pole. Well, no wonder you have, you're exhausted all the time. You're resisting what really was truly you were born to do. And you know, mm -hmm. I can speak to this because I lost everything going after my dream, everything. And you think after I'd lost everything, I would have gone and got a normal job. Here I well, am I mean, yeah. doing it again, round two, single mom. But what am I teaching my son? You don't give up because round two, I got it now. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. When people feel, they think, oh, that's a sign that it's the wrong direction. You know how many, how many success, every successful person has failed and much larger than, than I have. I mean, Hundreds. I mean, I had Dave Meltzer on my show. He lost a hundred million dollars. <laughs> He's back like a vengeance. Yeah, I love Dave. Million I love Dave. Dollars, right. So, you know, I mean, I just I really want to interject that because, you know what, I just I can't speak enough to this because I just feel like, you know, everything that we are schooled and trained to believe is like to be fearful of 
stepping into something that we know only deep down inside that is right for us. So I think that's what your institute is yeah. about. That's why I'm so excited to be talking about this. And um, I, I, I can't speak enough to it or promote it enough. I mean, you have now, you have a book coming out as well, or is it already out? I do. Yeah, no, I have a book. Uh, August 2nd is the scheduled date. It's a, it's a national book release. You know, we'll be in, I think, 1100 airport bookstores and Barnes Nobles. And, you know, it's, it's like, I'm like pinching myself, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people are actually willing to, pay. I'm getting paid to say what I have to say and they're going to print it and bind it and publish it. And You know, um, I love that. You're, you're humble. You're like, <laughs> I, I'm still pinching myself, even, even though, by the way, um, in two years, Entree uh, grew from a team of nine doing barely six figures a month to a team of 150 doing over $5 million a month. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going places, you know, but here's the thing, like that value is always an exchange. So people are like, Oh, well you, you know, you got all this money coming in. Well, you know, first of all, we got a lot of mouths to feed now, but, but the reason that that exchange is just a signal that what we're putting out there is highly valued. Exactly. People don't pay for what they don't value. So if we're talking, if we're having this conversation with people, it means we've tapped into something. It's right. the same reason that four and a half million people a month are quitting their job in this country. Yes, exactly. And that's what we've tapped into. And that's why we're growing so and, fast. And, uh, yeah, you're really going to grow because there's the, the great resign now and, and, and because of the pandemic Everybody's like, I'm not going back to corporate America. And, and, and people call it the great resignation. I'm calling it the great awakening. I like, agree. I agree. Well, that is what it is. They've yeah. had time to reconsider what they have valued and put priorities in, in their life. And now that they've had the, the chance to actually take some time and a couple of breaths to realize what those are, they're different what they thought they were. Mm -hmm. You know, and their importance and they'd rather move out of the state and live in a smaller, uh, you know, community or a, a less expensive area to to, you know, their, their values have come back to, which is what, you know, you said when I asked you what your dreams and goals, you said you're working to shift the world back to classical values of personal responsibility and emotional neutral neutrality. Why can I say that? That's not how you say it. New neutrality. Neutrality. Yeah, that basically people are frightened into thinking they, if they don't go along with the status quo, they won't be able to have money or security. We already talked about that. Um, you also say be obsessed with excellent across all areas of your life. If you've got emotional baggage, heal. If you've got health issues, take better care of yourself. If you have relationship is issues, get therapy. You know, got time management, get a coach. You know, <laughs> and this is exactly what stops people because every single one of those things that I read what most people, and because I'm talking about myself, I'm the guinea pig. I used to hide my head in the sand. If I had financial issues, go in a corner, hide my head in the sand. I was on with a client today and I said, what are your personal expenses a month? I think they're X amount. I think you don't even, and she told me, I went, what's your rent every month? And she told me, I said, there's no way it could be that amount then. I mean, mm -hmm. she's so far off. Right. And she even said, I don't want to look at it. But yeah. you know, the beauty of this is, and you will, I know you're going to confirm this, the more that you do confront that, because it is a fear of looking at it, but once you do and you embrace it, first of all, it's not as bad as you thought it was, or if it is, you correct it, and then you get empowered, and then you want to go move more forward in your life, and you say, don't be complacent or settle for the person you become through experiences you didn't choose. 
I love that, Jeff. I love that. And you know what? That's where a lot of people have come adults. It's because of the stories that they had to accept maybe when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't make the choices. Every day you can rewrite your story. Yeah, and it's interesting. You talked about uh, emotions. You know, there's something well, in, in um, there's a school of, of psychology that's the Adlerian school. It's kind of the, the grounding of most Western psychology at this point. And uh, what it's resulted in is a, a various modalities of, of a therapy that's kind of globally called cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. CBT, right? So you yes. have you have dialectical behavior therapy, you have rational emotive behavior therapy, you have all these subsets, but they all come from the Adlerian school cognitive behavioral therapy. And kind of the, the core concept, the linchpin of CBT is what they call the cognitive triangle, which is simply thoughts, emotions, and, and behaviors yeah. in a triangle mm-hmm. where your emotions di- dictate what you think and what you do, your behaviors dictate what you think and what you feel, and your thoughts dictate what you feel and what you do, right? They're connected in a triangle. So it all starts here. And if you look at that triangle, most of us think that our reality is defined by the one that in which we're the, the least empowered, which is our feelings. Between thoughts, behaviors, and feelings, most of us primarily de- define our reality in the feelings. But that's actually the one point of the triangle in which we don't have choice. Yes. Thoughts and behaviors... We can choose and they're binary. If I'm thinking this, it means I'm not thinking that. If I'm doing this, it means I'm not doing that. They're like zero sum. There's a toggle switch. I'm either yes, this, no, this, or yes, this, and no, this. But feelings, that's opaque and it's mushy and it's convoluted. Mm -hmm. And yet that's where we think we live. That's who we think we are. Mm -hmm. So the reason I love stoicism is because it teaches you to redefine your life on the two points of the, co- of the cognitive triangle where we actually have free agency, which are thoughts and behaviors. And emotions become extremely secondary in who we show up as every day. And that's, that's the discipline that leads to success. And it's the opposite of what we're taught now, where how offended you are is how right you are. Exactly. And you know what? In, cogn- in cognitive behavioral therapy, too, they say that the average person has what, like 55,000 thoughts going through their mind every day. Yeah. And about 85% of them are negative self-limiting belief thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you can't choose the thoughts that come in your head, but you can choose the thoughts that stay in your head. That's what I said. Right. You can't help what comes in your head. You know. So you know, if you choose to say, I am not going to go down that rabbit hole with that thought, because you know what, it's going to lead me not to the path. Not, it's not going to lead me forward. And you know what? That in itself, that nugget right there can change somebody's life because I used to believe every single thought that came into my head and I was just paralyzed most of my life. I mean, I had very scary, you know, I was just scared my whole life. I mean, that was, you know, I write about it in my first book. My father, you know, nothing was ever good enough and I just wanted to basically disappear. I mean, it just really didn't feel worthy. And everybody has that uh, certain degree of not feeling worthy. But to look at that, how I was then, and I took the ball and rewrote my story, started doing affirmations, started journaling, started visualizing, started, you know, I, the, the Miracle Morning, I t- asked all my clients to read that book and, and yeah. go buy sabers, you know? I mean, you can't go wrong if you do that. It's like putting your armor on for the day. It's like, you're not living your life by default. And that's exactly what we're both talking about here. 
You know, it's interesting you said you can't change your thoughts. I, I, I've learned that you can. And this is, I teach this in Entra. This is a staple of our teaching at Entra that people at first, they just don't see, well, how does that fit with me becoming an entrepreneur and making more money or whatever? And I'm like, trust me, just trust me until you experience it for yourself. And then you won't need to trust me anymore. This is why Wim Hof, you know, Wim Hof, the ice, the guy who plunges himself in the ice cold water, the older no. guy, kind of grizzled looking guy. And, and David Goggins. That's, example, who I, these, that's who I was. He spoke at one of our events. That's yeah. Does, so these yeah, people that do these, these extreme physical things, you actually can change your thoughts. Try, you know try jumping in 33 degree water and being worried and, and being anxious and worrying about if your girlfriend didn't text you back fast enough or if you're behind on your taxes. Go jump in 33 deg degree water and try to have the negative thoughts that you usually have. You can't because you are 100% present. Well, no, I said you can't control what thoughts come in your head, but you can. But you can. But when you're in that cold water, those thoughts yeah, don't you, come in your right. head. No, and I agree with you because you know what? I'm about to do a video tomorrow about my 2021 best hacks and lessons learned, and like, and, and one of them is is that at regardless, I learned this from Tony Robbins because he has a cold plunge pool, right? Yeah. He says yeah. I don't care if I'm sick or I'm not. He has them in every house. And whether I feel like it or not, because when I get in the shower, I think about it, I'm like, you don't have to do it tonight or you don't have to do it this morning. But I turn that thing on. To, and, and now when it's winter, that cold water is really cold. And it's not yeah, that bad, yeah. but it's like really cold. It's almost burning your skin. And I stand there 20, uh, 45 seconds on my front side and 45 seconds. And I, because I know the benefit and I know how far that tactic right there, that, Doing that has pushed me so far. It's just, it mentally just how far I've come in a year. I mean, and that's why I'm going to share all of them because it's not one, it's all of them together. Yeah. And you think about it. Sadness is, uh, you know, a focusing on the past. Fear and anxiety are focusing on the future. You can neither be sad nor fearful in the present. If you're in the present. Yeah. I say, if you look too far behind you, you're filled with, um, Regret, and if you look too far ahead of you, you're filled with anxiety. Absolutely. Exactly. So throw yourself in a damn icy pool, or go, <laughs> or go run up a hill until literally all you can think about is the pain in your legs. Or for me, I do an insanely hard leg workout every Sunday. I joke because I live in the state of Utah, which is you know the LDS Mormon you know LDS right, yeah. and I say yeah I'm LDS legs day Sunday. <laughs> every day, every Sunday, I go in and I do as many sets of 15 as I can, as heavy as I can on Astagrass squats. And it hurts so bad that it becomes physically impossible for me to be frustrated, anxious, worried, fearful, or anything other than just get the weight up, fight gravity. And that. when you test your, when you train yourself to live, to do stuff like that as often as possible, then like, you know, there's a difference between everybody's so worried about probabilities. Like, well, well, what are the odds that I'm going to make a million dollars? What are the odds that I'm going to be yeah, successful? Stop thinking I, that. Yeah. Give me any category of life and the odds are crap. What right. are the odds you're even going to stay married to the person you're saying yes at the altar to? They're like it's less the, than 50%. What if, it's, it's also, have you heard of the what if? So what if I fail? What if it, what, you turn it around? What if, if this works? Right. What if it, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and like I said, I used to get lost in that. I would procrastinate and I would get like anxiety and I would just for days, for days, for weeks. I mean, I would literally be in paralysis. 
right? Because There's a difference. Like if man made odds, or I'm sorry, math made odds. If we say, okay, show me 8 billion people and let's calculate the probabilities of XYZ outcome. Okay, you're using statistical data to calculate your own probability. Why would you let 8 billion people be a proxy for what your probability is? Yeah. Man-made odds, the odds that you decide, you can separate yourself from the vast majority of any other sample group that you're comparing yourself to by having different habits. Yeah. And then the odds don't apply Absolutely. anymore. And so Absolutely. I never felt risky from the day I was a self-taught musician. I remember when I got my first professional gig at 19 and I had put in thousands of hours of piano practice in, even though teachers had told me it's impossible, you're wasting your time, you'll never be a pro. And then I got a, I got a full scholarship and I did these things at a young age where I learned, wait, all the people that told me I couldn't, they were wrong. Because and, and the only reason they were wrong is because I ignored them. If I'd listened to them, they would have been right. I created their wrongness by rejecting their rightness. Well, there's that saying, whatever you believe, you're right. Exactly. You and then, and right, then you live you your say, life that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you really, again, I'm just going to go back there. I mean, for me, when I lost everything, the, the one thing that, you know, when I had horrible thoughts of like, I don't even want to be here, I kept hearing, just keep going. I kept hearing that. And you know what? It really made me, whether you want to call it God, the universe, energy, frequency, whatever you want to call it, that's what, and, and, and that's what I rely on every day. And when I feel like I don't know how I'm going to do this day, I've got so much on my plate, I just turn it over and I say, you know what? I know I'm going to be guided and directed. And it works out. I don't rush. I used to be filled with anxiety and just a freaking, like my, my poor body central nervous system just took such a hit because I would be anxious about anything. If I was driving someplace and, and I, I was going to be five minutes late, it would just, you know, and now it's just like, I know it's going to work out and it does. So, um, you know, we're, we're out of time here. Uh, Jeff, can you give us like three takeaways? Um, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this, this come first of all, uh, yeah, give us your takeaways first and then, then tell us where they can find you and your website. And yeah, I'll give, I'll give you three. Um, you know, the first is what I just said is like understanding that there's probability in your own life is a singularity. It's irrelevant of what other people have done. It's irrelevant of what other people have achieved because their life experience and their fears and their insecurities and Not their yours. doubts and their self-imposed limitations created their probability. And if you aggregate everybody else's probability, it has almost nothing to do with what you're capable of within the, the you know, bounds of physics. Exactly. So, so you, you know, that's where Napoleon Hill said, you know, what the mind can conceive, conceive. and believe it can achieve. That's it's been not my tagline. Yeah, it's not some woo-woo cosmic metaphysical mumbo jumbo. It's just a statement about the probability of, of, you know, your probabilities are determined by the choices you make. And if you have different beliefs, you'll be making different choices. Yes. So that's takeaway one. Takeaway right. two is start to train yourself that there is surplus. And by that, I mean, save and invest something every single day. When you start to live a life that's, I don't care if you make minimum wage, buy yourself a piggy bank and put a penny in it every day. So but when you, from lack. yes, when you start inculcating into your bones that there is always more money than time, then you will start to find ways to live on less than you need and create more than you need 
and you'll shift sure. yourself into abundance. And that is so truth because, because you're going to be so busy creating the life that you want, you have less time to shop. I mean, that's what I find. Yes. <laughs> right. And then, and then the final, and then the final thing is I think people need to stop thinking about what they do and only focus on what they build or create. You say, oh, what do you do for a living? I, I don't know, I sharpen pencils at the local widget supply house. Mm -hmm. Okay, what do you build or create? I create sharpened pencils so that people can design better widgets. Mm -hmm. And then as you start to up, people are so obsessed with, I need to do something better so I can get paid more. That's not how the world works. I need to create something better. Create more value. So I can get paid more. And when you start with just changing that one simple word substitution can completely reinvent how you look at your job. It can reinvent how you, you run your home life. If you're every day in your marriage and saying, what do I do? Oh, I'm a husband. No. What are you building? Yeah. Right. Oh, we're building yeah. a life together. We're building a home. We're building a nest. We're building whatever. It just that simple substitution will change everything about your life. Very simple. Very simple. I love it. I love it. So people give us the website for the uh, uh, yeah honestly so just come find me i mean go to youtube and type in jeff learner that's and, right too because you have so many things for free to learn on on jeff learner yeah, I, i'm not here to sell anything i'm here to give 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 value and if somebody likes what i do you know they might be intrigued to go further with what i do i have a youtube channel i have something like 700 free training videos i've put together in the last yeah. three years I have a podcast, Unlock Your Potential, that's you know about 200 episodes now. I'm What's on Instagram. The name of the Tell us the name of the podcast. Uh, Unlock Your Potential. Unlock Your Potential, and it's on what? Oh, Apple, it's on Spotify, everything? Yeah, every, all the platforms. Okay. okay. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. I just, I love this conversation. It's <laughs> always so, I, I love to just reinforce everything that you have, that we've talked about today because Thanks, it, Tina. it is truth. Thank you. And thank you everybody for watching another episode. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do so. It's Tina Marks. And also if you haven't downloaded my podcast, Transparent Tina, please do that as well and leave a comment. And also anything that you, any subjects or uh, professionals that you would like to have uh, on the show would be great. Okay. Until next week, we'll see you next time. And thanks Jeff again. We'll see ya.